Welcome to the Vegan Travel Podcast. My name is Jeremy, and I will be your guide to a lifetime of vegan travel. Whether you're a new vegan, uh, you're new into traveling, maybe you have a few friends who are vegan, you're trying to figure out uh, what the hell is going on, or you just want to find out how to better deal with family and work gatherings with less stress, this is the show for you. Today we're going to talk about a very important component of a vegan-friendly travel lifestyle, which is finding work. Uh, finding vegan-friendly work that supports your lifestyle, whether it be uh, lifestyle on the road. Uh, like myself, I stay in a place for three to six months or so, and then I move along. Uh, I work while I'm staying in place, and then while I'm moving along, I travel, and then I find another job. And, uh, and this requires a little bit of a, a little bit of experience in learning how to uh, find work that that I can do that. I can tolerate as as a vegan, somebody who's very ethically minded, and uh, and also you know work that I can do on a short term basis. Uh, it, that may or may not be your situation, but uh, we're going to talk about finding work that is that is vegan friendly and that uh, meets the requirements that that we might have set for it, whether that be related to travel or um, just just being vegan and not having uh, non vegan food shoved in your face all the time. This is my alarm clock going off. I apologize for that. Um, that's actually part of uh, of getting to work on time, right? Um, well, actually, I work nights, and it is noon right now. And uh, I woke up a while ago. That was just in case I didn't get up in time. Um, so, you know, I will. I do want to say at the outset that it's a lot of this is going to be about finding your comfort level, right? But veganism. When we when we think about veganism, you know, this is this is something that we do for ethical reasons that we strongly believe in because we don't want to harm anyone, and so it's not just something that we do when it's easy. You know, if you just go and you know you maybe you cook vegan at home and you know you eat vegan when somebody you know gladly cooks you vegan stuff, but then you you know you go to a work event and you're like, well, I'll just eat the chicken. I'm not going to bother with this. That's not that's not really okay because. What what a lot of what veganism is about is a political statement. It's showing that it can be done, that it should be done, and that this is important. So it's important that you take the effort to you know find who out who's doing the catering and you know get them uh, to make something vegan and um, and that often sometimes it goes wrong and it can cause uh, you know difficulties. And we'll talk in future episodes about dealing with uh, coworkers and other annoying people. As you know, when they when they confront you about veganism, they never seem to really want to learn. It's always uh, you know, so they're trying to find fault with you or say you're a hypocrite or inconsistent, so they can justify them not doing what they're doing or something else. But anyway, that's getting a little off topic. But it's you know, it's important. To, and if you have to bring your own stuff, you bring your own stuff, and you, and you show that it's, that it can be done and it's easy. Um, that's a lot of what this is about. So. Uh, it's important to make the effort, and that's that's what I'm going to say. You know, everybody draws a line in a slightly different place. Um, you know, some people are not comfortable working for a, a business that's not vegan. Um, most of us do that because that's just what you know. That's how you have to survive, and we you know we do the best we can. But that's and I think that's what it's about. It's about doing the best you can. It's not veganism is not about perfection. So, you know, some people will say, well, you know, I'm never going to go, I'm not going to do it. I'm never going to go vegan because, you know, what about my shoes? Well, if you have leather shoes that you bought five years ago and you're still wearing and you can't afford to buy new shoes, well, then keep wearing the leather shoes, but eat vegan. 
you know, cook vegan in the house. If you can't, if you're, you know, if you're going to, you already signed up, say you're on a, some, some, I don't know, school program or something where all your stuff is catered and you can't get vegan food or you can get mostly vegan or whatever. Well, every time you can be vegan, then be vegan. You know, it's like do the best you can and aspire to do the rest. And, you know, maybe in a few years when you get some money, you then you can replace those shoes and eventually you'll get uncomfortable with them and, and you'll do that. Um, but I don't want not being able to be perfect to to stop people from doing everything that they can. And this comes up a lot when traveling because, you know, you'll, you might have a mistake um, or, you know, you might have an incident. Some people will be vegan except that they, when they travel and somebody welcomes them into their home in, in, you know, Pakistan or, um, you know, some other country where it's uh, Iran, I hear this is very common where, you know, people are so hospitable and people who don't have anything will, um, still go, you know, to the end of the world basically to, to, you know, feed you a luxurious meal and, you know, and they'll go and they might go and kill an animal before you even have time to say anything. And some people will eat that and say, okay, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Um, I would never encourage somebody to do that, obviously. Um, but if you're going to do something like that, um, or if you make a mistake, you open a product and you forget to read the ingredients, whatever, um, get back on and just learn from it and be like, okay, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to be more careful. And this is what I learned from it. And I'm going to move along. Um, so keeping all that in mind, uh, when we talk about work, a lot of this is going to be about finding your personal comfort level and learning what you're personally okay with. So there are people who will only work in a vegan establishment. Um, that's that's quite limiting, as you might imagine. And it's, it's more conducive to staying in one place, right? Because if you find this vegan establishment and this vegan establishment turns out to be a good place to work, uh, then you can stick with it. Um, and that's true of, of any job, really. Um, you know, the the travel lifestyle presents more concern, more more uh, challenge in, in that way because you're you're always looking for new work and there's always risk of you know your boss turning into a drunk raging alcoholic like a, like I once had, um, and that's never fun. So, uh, but but the benefit is that if you're if you're good at at finding short term work and and at finding new work in in a particular field or customer service or whatever, then you should be able to find new work pretty frequently. Um, and so that's what we're going to talk about. Um, finding a vegan-owned business is is one approach, but it certainly has its drawbacks. Um, you only have a few places you can really look. Um, you know, you look into like nonprofits. Um, that's office work. So some of us, I can't do office work. Um, so some of us, uh, you know, that's that's out. Um, but you know, even a lot of nonprofits, even a lot of animal-minded nonprofits, might not be fully vegan. Uh, you know, you go to work. Say you go to work at an animal shelter. Um, you know, maybe the work is great and you, you know, you challenging, physically demanding and, you know, you love working with the dogs, but then people bring in cows to eat for lunch. So that's something to think about. Um, a vegan restaurant might not be owned by a vegan. A lot of times it's just a business model. So especially the, uh, a lot of the Asian restaurants, you go to Chinatown and a lot of those vegan restaurants are not actually owned by vegans. And there've been incidents of them screwing up and getting meat that had, you know, fake meat that had, a uh, some, I don't know, whey protein or something in it. Um, so these things, these things happen. It's just important to keep in mind. Um, what, what I tend to do myself is I, I look for places that don't sell vegan food or don't, you know, sell very little non-vegan stuff, if any at all. Um, or I, I prefer actually to work in service 
industry and places where it's where I'm not really selling things. I'm performing a service. So I, I as you may know from the last episode, I am a bus driver. And what I do is I travel to different places and I look specifically for transit agencies that have seasonal operations or might have year-round operations with peak seasonal employment. So where I am in Breckenridge, Colorado right now, we have about uh, about half the staff is seasonal winter um, and half is year-round. So, you know, I'm I'm the seasonal part of the seasonal, which is what I want, and I can just travel in, in the other times. Um, and and this that, this works for me. This is this is my lifestyle. I want to be able to travel in between, and I want to be able to do short term work because after six months of working in a place, honestly, I get sick of it. Um, no matter where I'm working, I think the longest I've ever worked anywhere is two years, and and that was a pretty good job. Um, and then I got laid off. So <laughs> it's but I, I just get I just get bored, and and I need to keep moving around. I need to travel. So so this is this is what works for me, and. And an important thing when when you're going to do that is you have to figure out what kind of work you want to do so that you can find work easily when you go to new places. So for me, I'm, I drive buses. I have a special license to drive buses, and that makes it easy when I go to different places that either have either hire short-term people or some places are just chronically understaffed. And just always have trouble getting people. So they'll happily take somebody for six months because the alternative is you know, not getting anybody or, you know, so, but I've had a lot of experience in my life, especially in big cities in trying, you know, even, even customer service jobs where turnover is pretty high. These companies still say, they still look at my resume and look at me and they go, well, you know, how do I know you're going to be here for more than a year? And I just say, well, I mean, I used to kind of bullshit my way through it. And, you know, sometimes I get the job, sometimes I wouldn't, but, um, and inevitably I'd leave after six months, but, um, you know, now I, I don't, I don't try to do that anymore. I just, I, Try to be upfront about that, and I look for places that are that are going to be okay with that. And and I say upfront that no, you don't you don't know, you just don't know that. But it's you know the amount of training that you're going to have to put into me is not much, and you know I'm going to be a good employee, do a good job, and you know it'll be a benefit to the company. And so you know you should hire me for that. Um, that doesn't obviously doesn't always play well, but like I said, I try to find those places. Um, if, if you work, see some people work in, um, more specialized fields, um, and you know, you're making more money, um, you're doing, you know, some kind of consulting or, um, you know, sort of a quote unquote professional, you know, white collar level job or blue collar level job, you know, that, that kind of stuff. It's, um, I think that's what you call it. Blue collar. Maybe. I don't know. It's like typical office type stuff. Um, you know, working, whether it's working for a nonprofit or consulting firm, or you have experience in a particular industry, that stuff sells really well, but it, it might be hard to do short term. You might be looking more at like remote opportunities. A lot of companies will be open to the possibility of, uh, working remotely either some or all of the time. So let's say if you wanted to, if you wanted to travel, you know, if you like to travel for say a month or two at a time, you know, you might be able to find a company that would be open to that. And if that's the kind of thing you want to do, like there's a lot of podcasts and resources online and location independent lifestyle, which is basically where you work from a laptop from anywhere. You just need an internet connection and a you know, reliable one, which is not always easy to find, but um, you need that and you need a, and a laptop and 
you know, a, a job that allows you to work remotely, or you can start a business like that. There's a lot of resources like that, so I won't go into that. Um, but that's the kind of stuff you need to be looking for if you're looking for a location-independent lifestyle. You need to be looking for a kind of work that you can do from a laptop. Um, those of us like myself who cannot, who does not, do not want to be sitting in front of a computer all day. Um, as I'm recording this, this is actually the first time I've opened my computer in a couple of days, um, which is is very nice. And, and a big change from when I was running a nonprofit and I was on the computer all the time and that sucked. Um, so you, so, so what I try to do is, is think about jobs that I can do that have human interaction and or physical activity. And if you're, most of us don't have the experience in, you know, industries and could get some, like a location independent job like that anyway. But what you're looking for really is, is find jobs in, in customer service, in retail. Um, a lot of this depends on your, like I said, your comfort level, right? So are you comfortable working in a place, in, in a restaurant that serves non-vegan food, let's say, because most of it's going to be non-vegan, right? Um, are you comfortable with that? Some people are, and I personally am not. So I will not do that. Um, but I can work in a place that, you know, sells, serves a little bit of non-vegan stuff, um, sells a little bit of non-vegan stuff, preferably not food. Um, as long as I don't have to personally serve it, uh, serve the food. That's important for me. So I couldn't work in a coffee shop because I'd have to be, you know, pouring cow's milk into coffee. I couldn't be doing that. Um, that's, that's just me, my personal comfort level and my little bit of privilege that I'm able to, I've so far been able to not do those jobs. Uh, I did work in a grocery store once. And, uh, one, the main reason that I didn't last is because I came to Thanksgiving and everybody was talking about their turkeys and I guess who got to handle dead carcasses. No, thank you very much. So I, uh, told them to, told that job where to go. And, um, don't work there anymore, but a lot of people will, will do those jobs and, and it's fine. And a lot of non-vegan establishments will, will work with you, especially if they're short staffed, they will, they will be willing to accommodate requests that you may have. Um, now you don't always want to go into a new job on day one and say, Hey, I'm a vegan, you know, I'm, I'm special deal with me because, uh, you know, people have perceptions of vegans that may or may not be accurate and usually are not. And, uh, so they, that may not go so well, but but a lot of places are willing to accommodate. So maybe they'll uh, say, okay, well, you don't have to work in the deli counter or you don't have to, you know, you don't have to serve the food. Maybe you can, you know, work in a restaurant and be a, a host or, you know, maybe there's a, you can, even if you're working in the kitchen, maybe, you know, you know, as a prep cook, maybe you can, uh, you know, they, you won't, somebody else will be doing the meat and you can do the vegetables. I don't know. I mean, just, you know, there, there, there are different ways that, that some companies will accommodate and you got to be, the, the more you, the more time you have for finding a job, and the more effort you're willing to put into it, the more you can ask these questions. And a lot of it is being comfortable with that. You know, we're we're taught growing up that we should, you know, we're worker bees, right? We should we should apply, we should push ourselves hard for a job, and try hard to get a job. And if we get the job, we should do it, and we should love it, and we should be grateful, and all that. Um, and so it's a little bit of a shift to to try to be a little bit more, you know, put the ball a little bit in the employer's court and say, you know, I'm these are my requirements here. And I'm, and I, you don't necessarily say it in those words, but you know, you, you have that conversation, you ask those questions in an interview uh, or even in advance of an interview. And you, you ask those questions and you make it clear that, you know, this is, this is what I need. And if they want to offer you the job, then they're going to have to work around that. And if not, then, you know, you keep, you go and try to find other work and uh, you know, and eventually you can, you modify your standards based on, you know, what kind of work you're getting. Um, Another tip that I find is important is is just going out and physically trying to find the work uh, rather than 
what's very easy to do these days and what employers tend to want you to do, which is sit in front of a computer and fill out applications. And um, I was filling out an application yesterday for a um, shot. So I'm a bus driver, as I said, and I'm looking for extra part-time work on the side for one or two days a week. Um, you know, and there's a lot of little shuttles around here, little, you know, hotels run shuttles and there's all kinds of, so I figured, and the shuttles usually pay better than the other customer service jobs. And as I'm dealing with the shuttle, I don't have to deal with non-vegan food. And so it's, you know, it has its perks. And so I, you know, I was submitting an application and it was, it was pretty straightforward. It took me a few minutes, not too bad. Um, you know, the resume was mostly filled in and all that. And then it said, after I, after I submitted everything, it said, your application is not complete until you answer this survey, these questions. And it gave me 95 questions that were just stupid bullshit questions like, you know, these like personality type things. And it's like the first – I didn't even get past the first one because I was like, I'm not even going to bother with this because it was like – you know, it was like answer, you know, answer, select one of these, you know, I strongly agree to, you know, strongly disagree. Um, it was like the company rules are always, should always be followed or something stupid like that. And I was like, you know what, like stop wasting my time with this crap. And it reminded me that, um, I, I don't do well with the online applications. Um, and it's unfortunate because a lot of companies are moving to that because they want easy ways to screen their keywords. They don't want to have to sit there for an hour or two with a pile of resumes and looking through like the old fashioned way until they find, you know, five or six that they want to call in for an interview. They, they want to sit, they, they want to just, you know, have the computer do that work and sort through and, um, and not have to, you know, tell, meet somebody and tell somebody that they, you know, didn't get the job. Um, and they want to keep you thinking that you're in the process, which, and, it, and the whole thing is just, it's so messed up. But anyway, I don't do well with that when I submit an application online. Um, but once I speak to somebody or get an interview or, you know, walk into a place and meet the manager, I have a more than 50% chance of getting the job based on previous experience. And so that's what I do. I don't mess around. Like I'll fill out a five minute application. Sure. And then you give me a call. But because now that I have the this qualification of CDL bus driver, like that's a thing and people see that and they, they're more likely to call. So that's helpful. But I don't mess around with these online applications because the, you know, chances are there's hundreds of other people doing it. Um, you have no idea who's looking at it, how fast they're going to get back to you. There's no contact information. Uh, I want to talk to somebody. So I'll, I'll go walk Main Street and I'll go pop into businesses and I'll go, you know, ask, oh, hey, you know, are you uh, – are you hiring any drivers or, you know, servers or whatever job it is that you're comfortable doing or, you know, or some people, a lot of people come up here in a place like Breckenridge, they want to ski. So a lot of people just, they just want to get a job for the resort, for the, uh, you know, mountain Vale resorts, which owns the, the ski mountain. And then they can, uh, and they can get in the employee housing and that's all they care about. They don't care what job it is really. They just. They just want to get a job so they can get the ski pass included in their employment and they can get housing and, and they can party and have a good time. Um, you know, maybe that's – maybe you don't care what you – what kind of work you want to do. Uh, that makes it harder because you're – honestly, because you, you have to apply for particular things and a lot of companies want you to be very specialized. You know, you walk into a coffee shop and they're like, and they're like we want to see a passion for coffee. And it's like passion for coffee. I mean I can pour coffee into cups and serve customers and be nice to them but – don't have a passion for coffee, you know? So it's, it's like even that. Um, so you kind of have to figure out what it, what it is that you, that you want to do or, or are willing to do. And, and that'll help you. That'll help you a lot. Um, a couple of, uh, things that I was thinking about here, like, 
you know, you can try to find if you want to find a place that doesn't sell vegan or non-vegan stuff. You, you know, you can try to find a place that doesn't serve food. Um, you know, a lot of people are comfortable working in a in a bar or a place that serves beer, uh, but no food. Um, you know, a lot of beer is not vegan, so I don't know how people feel about that. Um, some people feel okay, and some some don't. It's uh, a lot of beer is uh, refined with fish bladders, which is uh, disgusting. Um, it's called icing glass, and sometimes it's even bone and blood meal, and that's oh nasty. So um, that personally, I don't uh, I don't want anything to do with that, and I don't drink beer, so that's there's no uh, benefit. It's not like I can get a you know if I get free beer, it's not like that's a benefit to me because um, I don't drink. But uh, the some other things you can you know look into public services, look into you know working for the cities and towns usually have pretty good benefits, and working for the library, the schools, um, the parks, or other recreational facilities. Um, sometimes the, uh, the, you know, sometimes the city and town services can be hard to get into because they want long-term people, especially in the big cities. They want, you know, they have the pension and everything is geared towards, towards long-term and you're not going to do well in that kind of, you're not even probably going to get the job because they're going to see that you want to move around and that's not going to be good. Um, but a lot of, a lot of the parks and recreation facilities, for example, have short-term seasonal assignments. So, you know, they might have like somebody who needs to maintain the park in the summer or they might have somebody grooming the trails in the in the winter for cross-country skiing for example um schools are notoriously short-staffed so they often have a variety of positions if you can if you can handle being around kids um you can i know school bus driver is something that's always hiring there have always been school bus drivers uh openings everywhere i've lived uh, but i cannot deal with kids so i just i will not i would love the academic schedule but i cannot deal with kids so, but if you can, um, there's a lot, you know, schools are good places. Um, try, you know, retail stores, clothing, jewelry, places that, you know, other places that just don't sell food. Try to stay away from the food if you can, um, if that's the thing that bothers you. Um, and then there's also active jobs. There's, you know, being a tour guide. There's, um, you know, going and, and there's, um, you know, outdoor, various outdoor things. Looking at being a park ranger. That That's a, a good thing. Um, or there's a lot of the national parks will hire seasonal firefighters too. So there's all kinds of opportunities. A good good place to start is uh, coolworks.com, and they have a lot of um, on Coolworks. They have a lot of uh, seasonal openings, and they have a lot of um, you know short term, and they have active outdoor things, uh, volunteer opportunities as well. So uh, volunteer opportunities, I'd love to do that maybe in the future, but it doesn't it doesn't work for me now because I try to save money so that I can travel in between work. And uh, you know, if I'm getting a stipend of a hundred dollars a month, it doesn't really doesn't really do anything for me for for that purpose. Um, so that doesn't work. But um, but there's a lot of good opportunities there. You can search in, in a number of places. And right now, it's all pretty much winter stuff that's being advertised. But as we get closer to you know January, February, they'll probably start putting up national park openings for the summer. So you can see what goes on there. But also think about in big cities have a lot of tourists. You know, think about places that have a lot of tourists. That's that's how I wind up in a place like Breckenridge, right? You think about places that have a lot of seasonal tourists, then you wind up, whether that be summer or in the case of here, is winter, um, You that means that there's more people coming in, that there's more services being provided, and people need to work to provide those services. So there will be seasonal jobs. And it is so refreshing to walk in to, to interview in a place like this, and instead of being asked, well, you know, how do I know, you know, that you're going to, you've been bouncing around between jobs to job, you know. Instead, the question is, can you work till April 30th or such and such date? Yes. Okay, great. End of story. And that is so refreshing because it's like our needs met. 
And I, sometimes you have to do a little bit of work. You might have to go somewhere that, you know, do a little travel. You might have to go somewhere that you weren't planning to go in order to find that work. But, uh, but it, it can be found. And uh, so I, I want to encourage you to, to, you know, use your mind, think, think creatively about what it is you want to do, where you want to be, um, and what kind of, um, and where, where that kind of work will, will be. Um, and also, you know, where you want to live for six months. I mean, this is, I insist on going and interviewing in a place before, and, and seeing the place before I take a job there. Uh, maybe if it was a month or two, I might, I might make an exception if I knew enough from, from the internet. But, um, you know, I'm not going to spend eight months in a place and, and not have visited there first. Uh, you know, I went to Aspen, Colorado, and I felt that, uh, and I interviewed out there, and I felt that it was just, you know, I got that, it felt like a, like a, you know, sort of a, I don't know, what do you call it, like in a, it's a neighborhood in Chicago, like North Michigan, or in, in Boston, Newbury Street, or New York's Fifth Avenue, it was like all the rich shops, and just like, it just felt like it was all rich people, I didn't feel like I didn't really belong, I mean, there's a lot of nice trails and stuff outside, but I just didn't feel like I could live there, and that's the kind of thing you need to go and need to experience. And then it came to Breckenridge, and I was like, oh, it's a cute little Main Street, you know. It's like got some shops and some places that I can get vegan burritos and things like that. So, and the grocery store is good. So, um, and if I want to go to Whole Foods Natural Grocers, I can get hop on the free bus and get there in half an hour, and it's great. So, you know, and I can get to Denver in two hours. So all these things, you know, you you see all these things that um, that you wouldn't realize without without being there, and you get to meet some people and. Um, and I realize that's, that's sometimes biased because the people you meet, you know, it's kind of by chance, like, you know, the first five people you meet might be total assholes and you might be like, Oh, this town sucks. But maybe there's, maybe you just met all, all five assholes in town. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's hard to, uh, to, to see that, but you know, you want to spend a couple of days somewhere before you commit to, to spending several months. Um, you know, unless you're just, maybe you don't care. Maybe you're, that's just, you're just willing to put up with whatever to say, to save money. Um, and that's another thing. Focus on saving money. If you're going to be traveling seasonally like I do, you got to save money. You can't just, you know, it's very easy to come out here and it's just like you, you become one of the ski bums. And, and people literally talk like ski bums. Um, they use all the language that you've seen in the movies like ski bums. They do. Um, the, the ski bums, the, the younger people do. The older people are, you know, they, they don't as much. But um, especially the younger people that are working for the mountain and living in the employee housing uh, where I live. It's, uh, it's interesting. Anyway, so yeah, focus on saving money. Uh, don't be, don't be going out and skiing all the time. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't have a mountain pass because it's like $600 for a mountain pass. Plus I got to deal with the equipment. I said, no, thank you. I went out and I bought at a, the, um, cross country, the Nordic center had a, uh, ski swap. And so for a hundred dollars, I got some skis some boots. I found some poles next to the dumpster. And so I, uh, so I go cross country skiing now. Um, and I'm actually, my job includes the Nordic Center, so I am able to to do that. But there's also other trails too, and so I uh, so I you know I do that. But so I spend a little bit of money on, on recreation, and you know that's about being in a place where you want to be. But but don't stop blowing your money. Don't stop going you know going and eating uh, eating out every day. Um, you might get excited. There's a vegan restaurant in town. Don't go there every day. Um, don't go get a vegan burrito at the coffee shop that I can do. But don't do that. I have I still haven't done it yet. I've been here two and a half months. Don't uh, don't get that excited because the whole point is you got to save money if you're going to be traveling and doing this kind of lifestyle. And because not only do you want to be able to travel, but you also want to avoid the situation that I was in when I got over here, which was that I was pretty much broke. Um, and then I had to borrow a little bit of money to subsist until the first paycheck, second paycheck, kind of start coming in. Um, now I'm getting ahead a little bit, which is good. And I'm going to pick up a part-time job as well. But 
you don't want to you don't want to get somewhere you don't want to run out of money have, have like 50 bucks in your in your bank account and then you know say okay i'm going to go work now like you got to figure out how much money you're going to need until you start working and start getting paid and start you know recouping and, and getting ahead um, think about that too and, uh, and like i said if you want to travel make a budget you know I want to go. I would love to go. I'm thinking about next winter. I'm going to go maybe go to South America or to Southeast Asia, somewhere it's cheap and I can get access to fresh fruit year round. That's a big deal for me. I'm so like I'm so depressed in the winter when the fruit becomes just like apples and oranges, and it's very it's very sad. Um, so, you know, I make a budget. It's pretty cheap to live in Thailand, but okay, how cheap? What do I need? And what do I need to save up? And what about coming back? And then. How much of a buffer do I need for a few months between, uh, you know, between when I leave here, when I go there, when I come back, where am I going to go to work? Maybe it's a few months before I find work. Maybe I want to travel a little bit. Maybe I want to go back to Boston and visit my friends. You see what you want to do and and, and think about that as well. Um, and the last thing I'm going to talk about here, I think, is the um, issue of workplace, dealing with workplace issues. Now, you already, you know, your short term. Hopefully, you're in a decent situation where you're, you and the employer are sort of almost equals in a, in a way. You're that's the ideal, at least. Um, it's very hard to find that in this capitalist society. But uh, you know, the ideal situation would be like, um, you know, the employer can't fire you and isn't going to fire, and you don't feel like the employer is going to fire you because you know that they that they don't have somebody else to fill your place right away. And you know that you're basically doing a good job and they're a decent human being and you're, you know, you're working and everything is, is good. Um, and if there's a problem, they'll talk to you about it and they're, they're not going to be a, you know, reactionary jerk. Um, so that's the ideal. But, um, you know, we all know that that uh, this is not super common. So uh, one of the issues that I've had in the past is um, sick days. Um, you know, you wake up and you're like, oh, it's a beautiful day to go to the beach. I'm not call out sick today. Well, great. Uh, just if you live in a small beach town, you know, there might be a, you might have a coworker on your day off over there. Um, and also I've had the issue of, uh, one time I took three sick days in a year and uh, I had a boss tell me that, uh, I, I wasn't, I don't think I was faking all of them. I think I legitimately, that was when I was working nine to five and, uh, you know, I legitimately, sometimes I just could not get out of bed in the morning. I was like, okay, well, I guess I can go to work today. Uh, and so, and I had a boss who legitimately said to me, um, I don't know. You're calling out sick more times than I've called out in 20 years. I mean, just keep in mind this is three times, and uh, and I had been there like a year and a half. And uh, and he's like, I don't know. Is it your diet? And you know, you got to be aware of that kind of thing because if you want to be if you want to be a healthy vegan and you know show people that it's easy and you know you got to kind of keep that in mind. You don't want to be people uh, even then you don't want people giving you shit about being vegan, telling you it's unhealthy and all that stuff. Um, and on the same on the same note, um, bring you lunch every day. Um, we talk about saving money, um, but also eating well. Um, bring your lunch every day. In a place like this here, this resort town here, where, which a lot of tourist places are going to be, um, you know, if I forget my lunch, it can cost me 10 bucks to buy lunch, um, and it, which is like a tenth of what I get paid in a day, maybe a little less than that. Um, and so, you know, bring your lunch, make, make food, um, bring snacks, do what you have to do, figure out what your options are to get lunch if you don't have it. Um, and... You know, I mean, some people love to try to make impressive things to impress their coworkers. I don't really care about that. I just want to, you know, I just want to eat. 
healthy. Um, we'll talk in future episodes about dealing with coworkers when they say things like, Ooh, is that a salad or no meat? You're not eating any meat. You know, we'll talk about that stuff in, uh, in a future episode. I'm hoping to get a, uh, a guest on who uh, I'm not going to throw out any names yet, but um, working on getting a guest who uh, has experience in, in that area and uh, de- of dealing with uh, with non-vegan idiots. Um, idiots and assholes. There's a difference between an idiot and an asshole. An idiot is somebody who doesn't know better. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, we deal with both of those people. Oh, and one more thing. If you're going to be living a lifestyle on the road, um, you really have to downsize. Um, one of the things that I've done over the years is uh, try to get rid of stuff that I don't need. And I've always, I've always been pretty, pretty minimal in terms of what I need. I don't even want to use the term minimal because that's not, that's not really what I'm going for. Um, I have what I need and a few things that make me comfortable. And beyond that, it's a, you really don't need anything else. And you gotta, you gotta think about that because, um, it's very easy when you get stuck in a place for many years or stay in a place by choice, perhaps, um, when you live in a place for a long time, even even last time I lived in Boston, I was there for like two years, and I just accumulated stuff because you just find stuff on the side of the road, like oh that's great, and you find stuff in the thrift shop for two dollars, like yeah I need that, and you wind up with all kinds of stuff that you don't really need, and it's it's very easy to, and then you get overwhelmed because then you want to travel and you're like oh well I got to get rid of my stuff, how do I do that, or am I going to put my stuff in storage? You don't really want to be putting things in storage. That's generally kind of ridiculous. Um, you, the only exception to that might be like things like winter clothes that you might need seasonally. If you move a couple times before the winter, then you not going to want to carry that with you all the time. And hopefully you have a friend's basement who you can, which you can put it in. Um, that, that would be helpful if you don't have to actually pay for storage, but, uh, shipping is expensive. It's not, not cheap. It costs me like 500 bucks to get my about eight boxes over to, uh, from Boston to Breckenridge. So um, not cheap and not really something that you want to be doing much of. Um, there is one idea that I had recently, which is that if I, if I don't, if I go to a place next year with no winter, then I can get rid of like half my stuff, all my jackets and gloves and extra layers. I have multiple sweatshirts. I got, you know, I have to have duplicates because when you wash them, you need a pair to wear while you're washing them. So it's, it's, uh, it's just so much stuff that I have for winter. And obviously the, uh, you know, this, the skis I'll get rid of when I leave here and the, the, uh, hockey gear, I have my big box of hockey gear, which, uh, obviously I'm not going to play if I go uh, somewhere with no winter. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you got to really be mindful of, of how much stuff you have, what you need. There's different strategies of dealing with that. And you can find a lot about that online. Some people, um, subscribe to the, uh, one in one out policy or, or even like one in two out, um, which is like, as it sounds, everything you buy, something's got to go out. Um, and you know, it doesn't necessarily, you know, you, you know, if you buy like a little, uh, I don't know, just a terrible example here. Like if you had, uh, I'm thinking of a, a pair of gloves and then you, uh, doesn't necessarily mean like, say you say you get a bike, you get rid of a pair of gloves. Like that's not quite the same, you know, bulk. So you gotta, you know, I don't know how you enforce that, but, um, but if you look to like the tiny house movement and, I uh, look around for people who are like minimalist online. You can you can figure out you can sort of get an idea of of how you go about this. Uh, clothes is a good place to start. Um, how many clothes do you really need? Well, you need a week's worth, so you can wash. You know, when if you're living in a place with with a washing machine, you need about a week's worth, so you can wash just enough to fit in a washing machine plus one or two extra, so you can hang dry your clothes, which is which is great. I, I like doing that. Um, and I've been lucky to find a hanging clothes dryer wherever I've gone. So that uh, that also saves money if you're paying for laundry, by the way. Um, but it's environmentally friendly, and if you're in a place like I am where it's very dry, you get the uh, 
um, drying your clothes in, inside uh, brings moist some moisture, um, which is very helpful. So, uh, yeah, just just uh, something to keep in mind. Think about how you're going to get rid of stuff. I For me, it's the kitchen stuff. I have a lot of things in the kitchen, and those are heavy uh, to ship and carry. So um, that's a particular problem. And I just bought a pressure cooker and a blender, so I'm not uh, really making progress in that area. But, uh, but yeah, I, I really like the fact that my things are vegan or, you know, maybe I've gotten them used in a thrift shop, but now they're vegan and they're clean. And it's, you know, a lot of times you go into the thrift shop and it's hard to find clean stuff that's not scratched up. A lot of times there's a reason for it being in the thrift shop. Um, that's not to say you can't find great stuff in the thrift shop. That does happen. But when you travel and you go to a new place and it might be a small town, they might have one thrift shop or none at all. Um, you can't guarantee that you're going to find what you need. Like right now, I really, really would like a toaster oven so that I can heat up my leftover food. Um, I have like things like oatmeal and stuff in the morning. That would be nice. But fortunately, I haven't found one yet in a thrift shop. So, um, yeah, I can go to Target and buy one, but that kind of goes against my ethic of uh, buying uh, things that I don't really need and uh, especially, you know, buying new things, um, things that are made in China by slave children. Generally not good, so I try not to do that. Um, but I would really like a toaster oven. So these are some of the considerations to think about and uh, as you think about uh, lifestyle on the road. I hope you found this episode helpful. Um, I really, uh, really want to help encourage vegan travel and make it easier for people to uh, hit the road while vegan in, in whatever form that is. And I want to hear from you. And how are you traveling? What are you? What are you doing? Uh, are you on the road? Do you have ambitious plans? Um, you a new vegan? What's What's going on in your uh, in your life in your situation? Because it's it's not all about me and life. Uh, I've learned that over the years so uh, hit me up uh, email address is jeremy at vegantravelpodcast.com and you can go to the website vegantravelpodcast.com and uh, i'm still working on upgrading it but i wanted to get it up there and get a site and all that um, you can find me on twitter at critical transit and you can find me on facebook i think there's a link on the website to that um, and i look forward to hearing from you and we'll talk to you again soon